Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today we're going to be talking about a difficult subject, spiritual abuse. We often don't know that we're doing spiritual abuse, and it's a very difficult matter to sort of get you, wrap your head around. So we're going to spend some time explaining what it is and what it isn't, and uh, and just getting a clear view of that. Because I know that many of my listeners are people who are healers and uh, helpers of all kind, and maybe even religious leaders or spiritual leaders of some kind. And I want us to learn to be really careful about spiritual abuse But I also want to talk to the people who may have been spiritually abused um, by people, well-meaning or otherwise, who who have sort of blocked them out of experiencing their own souls. So we're going to talk a lot about that today. And I want to first read an open letter to the perpetrator of spiritual abuse. Um, uh, So this this was written as an article, but I, I, I wanted to read it to you. To the perpetrator of spiritual abuse, often you don't know that you are a perpetrator of spiritual abuse. You think you're just doing what every parent does or every member of the clergy does or every teacher does. These leaders teach their kids that what to to think and what to believe, right? They teach them to believe in a particular religion because they believe that not teaching them is wrong. They even teach them that to not believe the things that they are taught bring consequences, even eternal consequences in some cases. If you're a member of the clergy, a rabbi, an imam, or any other authority figures of a particular religion, a parent or a school teacher, or you're a therapist who defines your work by a particular religion, you might be particularly vulnerable to perpetrating spiritual abuse, as you may see it as your job to get people to believe as you do. Of course, certain religions and many therapists are more open to people who doubt and question these beliefs. Some religions even arrange for group studies specifically for the purpose of raising questions and having members of the group present various ideas and philosophical concerns in order to allow lots of room for original thinking rather than teaching people what to think and what to believe. But other clergy and spiritual leaders are taught as a part of their education to teach others a certain dogma or philosophy in order to save their souls or keep them on the straight and narrow path or teach them to meditate, or to operate with mind over matter, or to teach them not to think so-called negative thoughts so that they can attract their dreams. Some therapists who define their work as part of a particular religion believe that they should do the work of ministering to their clients in such a way as to change their belief rather than encouraging original thought, and that doing so offers the client not only a better life, but in some cases even a better afterlife. Spiritual abuse is abuse of the human spirit, the place in human consciousness where we can most easily access the divine in whatever form we see the divine. Spirituality is not a belief. It is not a thought. It is not a behavior or a group of behaviors. Spirituality is an experience. Typically, it is an experience of the divine or of a higher consciousness. The simple fact is that people are being robbed of such an experience when they are taught what and how to think, what to believe, and what truth is and isn't. 
particularly when people are taught that there's only one right religion, they're being secluded in an environment in which the possibility of having a spiritual experience is limited to that one religion. What if a person needs to explore other religions in order to find a spiritual experience that matches who they are? What if they disagree with their therapist's belief? What if they are being taught has more to do with morality than it has to do with an honest experience of the divine or of a higher consciousness? What if you are teaching people to avoid experiencing their own souls or authentic selves? You see, spiritual abuse does that. It robs a person of an experience of their own soul or their authentic self. They can't access that soul if they've been taught that going within to explore the inner regions of the psyche is wrong or it could mislead them. For example, if people are taught since they were born into original sin, that means they cannot trust their own thoughts or beliefs because they might be tapping into sin or worse, being tempted by the devil. It then becomes impossible to trust that an inner journey would take them to an experience of the divine. Spiritual abuse abuses the spirit. It does that by teaching through whatever means that the inner spirit cannot be trusted, is bad, or doesn't know the truth, and then only an external authority has the key to the doors of truth. If life is meant to be a meaningful experience, then accessing the inner person is essential to finding and beginning to live out of that inner spirit. So whether you're a parent, a teacher, a therapist, or an authority figure representing a particular religion or spiritual persuasion, be aware of the potential for spiritual abuse. You have been granted a huge power and the power deferential between you and a child, a parishioner, or a client is huge. Use it well. So that's my letter, open letter, to the perpetrators of spiritual abuse. And uh, I really mean it to be very, very serious and to be taken with uh, uh, a, a great deal of prayer, meditation, and thought and reflection. So let's talk about spiritual abuse. Let's, let's define it a little more clearly than that letter did. As I said a couple of times, spiritual abuse is abuse of the spirit. What is the spirit? Spirit is the deepest essence of who you are. It is the authentic self. Uh, these are all synonymous terms. When we talk about abusing the spirit, what we mean is we've limited the access of a person to their own inner spirit. We have taught the person that the inner spirit cannot be trusted. Only external authorities can be trusted. Now, the external authority could be a book. It could be a teacher. It could be certain beliefs. It could be, you know, a, a, a false leader. It could be somebody who's really well-intended. It could be somebody who's got, you know, uh, wants to physically abuse you or emotionally abuse you or sexually abuse you or abuse you in some other way because they are also teaching you about who you are and what, what you'll find inside yourself if you go looking. It's important to understand spiritual abuse can happen in combination with other forms of abuse. Um, if you're sexually abused, for example, um, if you're spiritually, uh, sexually abused, for example, you may come to believe yourself to be unworthy. You may see your body and your mind as, as, as objects of somebody else's um, desire. You may see yourself as um, just an object. Um, and if not, you're an object, then you're nothing. You may not have any relationship unless it is sexual. Or you may... Um, 
<coughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry this is happening now during the show. Uh, you may um, come to believe yourself as just unworthy, and, and that is not who you are. You are a worthy soul. Everyone ha is a worthy soul. There's nothing, no, no part of the creation that is uh, done by divine intelligence that is unworthy. So it's really important to understand that um, we get an image of who we are, what that inner person is, by, um, by uh, how we're treated. You know, if you're physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused, uh, uh, mentally abused, you may come to see yourself as less than who you are. And that very image of yourself means that you're not going to access that self in the same way that you would if you trusted this self or the soul. So um, it can be uh, in combination to one, with one of those other forms of abuse. Uh, more often it is committed, well not more often, but it's also committed as a part of uh, a, a religious teaching, spiritual persuasion. Um, you know, we have people who are of the New Age movement who are <clears throat> teaching that you must control your mind, you must control your thoughts. Your thoughts are, 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 and if you don't control your thoughts, then you'll bring about negative consequences in your life. And if you do control your thoughts and bring, make them always positive, then you'll have always positive experiences in your life. So uh, what that says is I've got to get my mind in order, but I don't need to look inside myself for anything other than my thoughts. And what that does is keep a person from accessing their own internal leadership. So we have an external authority, you know, in leaders and, and uh, gurus and teachers and parents and all that. We have uh, external authorities, but we also have an internal authority that we that is our soul that we don't access when we have been spiritually abused. And that is the very nature of spiritual abuse. It teaches us not to access the soul. So we also have. Uh, religious leaders out there who are teaching all kinds of things about reality. Some of the religious leaders of today, in fact, have become associated and affiliated with politics in such a way that they're teaching their parishioners or their mem members of their churches to vote for certain people that they uh, want to support for whatever reason. Um, <clears throat> there are some uh, religious leaders out there who are asking for great deal of money, asking for um, uh, power uh, over people, influencing people in some ways that mean you must listen to me, don't look inside yourself because that might be a temptation of the devil, you know, you can't trust yourself because you were born into original sin. These kind of teachings are spiritually abusive because they teach a person not to look inside themselves for internal leadership. So what's frightening to many religious leaders out there, and I separate them a little bit from spiritual leaders, but also some spiritual leaders, is that we might come up with original thoughts that are, you know, not in line with, with what we think, uh, what we believe to be true. And there's a need for a lot of us to be very, very certain about what we believe. We sort of create a universe in our own minds and, and 
say that's what it is. We can't create an uh, anthropomorphic God, and we say that's who he, he, always he, not she, is. And that's the way it is, and that's the way it, it has to be for everybody. Well, maybe we're wrong, and then if we're wrong, what really is true? So it's scary for a lot of us not to be certain of what we believe. And that scariness makes us insist that there's, there is a definite truth that can only be explained in the way we explain it. So it's really important to understand that we have the capacity to influence other people in a way that robs them of an internal experience of the divine. And that is the very nature of spirituality. As I said in the letter, spirituality is not a behavior. It's not a group of behaviors. It's not a way of thinking. It's not a way of feeling. It's an internal experience of the divine or of, of a spiritual philosophy. And that very internality means that I've, I've experienced something very real and very genuine that is a mystery. I can't necessarily explain how or why it happened, but it happened. And therefore, I, am, I, I have had a new experience or an, even an old experience that tells me who I am as a soul. <clears throat> that defines me as a person connected to the divine. It may even define me as one with the divine depending on what my beliefs are. So, um, you know, that this whole idea of spirituality is one in which we, ha we have to, you know, ask ourselves what spirituality really is. Spirituality, like I said, is an experience, but so many people define spirituality as a way of living in a moral code. So let's talk about moral code for just a minute in terms of duality. So duality is the belief that we're separate from the divine, and so there's a split off. There's a two instead of a one. Um, there is a, uh, a way of defining life in terms of two different things. There's light and there's dark. There's good and there's evil. There's... <clears throat> there's um, and mostly it's good and evil, but there's also truth and lies. And so sometimes we say that um, goodness and evil are the only two realities of life. So we, we, def we split off everything in the world into one of these two categories. It's, uh, it's good or it's evil. It's good or it's some form of evil. It may be just bad. But if, if those, there's a split off, even our food is considered to be good or bad. People's actions are considered to be good or bad. People's identities are considered to be good or bad. Uh, you know, life itself, the circumstances of our lives are considered to be good or bad. So everything has been split off in our minds between good and evil, some kind of way. And so, you know, a, a person's morals are definitely part of that you know, sort of vision of life in terms of, the, of what I call the duality trance state, where we're actually hypnotized into a belief of duality. And this is international. It's not, it's not uh, part of any one religion necessarily, but part of just about every religion. 
that there's this duality that we, we see. And so when we think about spirituality, we often think of it in dualistic terms. We often think that it really has, it comes down to our morality. We're either good or we're bad. We're, we're either doing good or we're doing bad. So uh, an understanding that perhaps that might not be true is a journey we take. And it's a journey to considering it as something deeper than just morality. Because morality is not the same as spirituality. Morality is a, uh, a way of behaving, a way of thinking that says, I'm, I'm doing good stuff or I'm doing bad stuff. It's, it, it comes as a part of the duality trance state. And the duality trance state is the source of our moral and immoral behavior. So if, I'm, if I see myself as doing good, then I, I'm, I'm split off from doing bad. If I see myself as doing bad, then I'm split off from doing good. And so that makes it a duality. And so when we talk about morality, we're talking about something different from the spiritual experience, which is a mysterious experience of the divine, period. There's no duality there. So we're going to talk about this some more right after the break. Stay tuned for more. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron. Author, publisher, and life mentor broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about spiritual abuse, what it is, what it isn't, and we're going to get really clear on that. So just before the break, I was talking about duality, and I was saying that morality is divided up into twos, so there's good and there's bad. And um, spirituality is an experience of the divine that is not divided up into good or bad. It's just an experience. And the mystery of it means that it's 
it's not certain. It's, you know, it's the wind blowing. You know, we see the wind, we hear the wind, but unless we're really good scientists, we don't know where it comes from or how it happens. So <clears throat> there's a mystery there that we can't necessarily explain. So, uh, but morality can be explained. You're just a bad person. That's why you act bad. You're just a good person. That's why you act good. And that's, that's real simplistic, but that's generally how we think about it. So morality and spirituality are two different things. But oftentimes we define spirituality as if it's the same as morality. Um, and that, that mistake that we make means that we are not going down to the deeper regions of the self, not going within to go to the deepest essence of who we are as a soul, and having the experience as a soul, we're not doing that. So, um, spirit, again, spiritual abuse is depriving someone access to that inner self or the soul. And, um, and, and so working with people, we need to be careful to let them think original thoughts, to encourage, in fact, them to think original thoughts. So when a child is growing up in your care as a parent, Instead of teaching the child what to believe and getting upset with the child if the child doesn't believe that, then we need to be careful to allow the child to think in terms of his or her own experience. Um, I remember my daughter when she was about, I guess she was about two years old, she um we, we often said a prayer at the table uh, when she was little, and um, she wanted to say the prayer that day. And her prayer was, God, 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 God. Okay, let's see. <laughs> so she, uh, what she was telling us by that was that what she got out of that experience was just a connection with the divine in whatever form she saw the divine at that moment. So... Instead of her thinking about blessing the food or, you know, being a good person or anything like that, she was just experiencing her understanding of God. And I thought that was beautiful. Uh, I had another experience with my son where we were um, outside uh, near the house and we had a little culvert near the house where the rainwater came washing through. And he told me that that was God laughing. The sound of the water coming through was God laughing. And uh, I didn't say that to him. He said that to me. And so it was really uh, him having his own original connection to the divine in his own way, rather than me teaching him, you know, this is who God is. So when we, when we push our children to believe a certain way, we are depriving them of their own original thoughts. We're depriving them of their own original connection to the divine. Um, and it, uh, that's so sad because the one thing that we're supposed to be getting out of spirituality is a connection to the divine. The one thing that we're supposed to be getting out of spirituality is an understanding that we can really connect to, not somebody else's version of that, but our own version. And the truth is that we all have our own version of the divine anyway. Whether somebody else teaches us what to believe or not, we still have our own kind of image of the divine. A lot of people image the divine in the same way that they image their parents. So if mom was cold and indifferent, then God is cold and indifferent. 
or the divine is cold and indifferent. If dad was abusive or mom was abusive, then God is abusive or the divine is abusive. So we very often see the divine in those in that same light because our parents were our first gods. They were the people who were bigger than us. They were the people who brought us to life. They were the, they're the people who keep us alive. They're the people who teach us and care for us or don't care for us. And so we uh, we image uh, them. We image our, the image of the divine in the same way that we saw them. Um, we can see the divine as loving or punitive. We can see the divine as um, merciful or, again, punitive. We can see the divine as forgiving or not forgiving. Um, we can see the divine as a divine intelligence that's none of those things. That's just a divine intelligence that has no anthropomorphic qualities at all. Um, so, you know, how we see the divine, the divine could be many gods. The divine could be, uh, you know, uh, many gods as in the Hebrew religion. Not Hebrew, Hindu religion, sorry. And uh, so, or we could see that, uh, that there, there isn't necessarily a divine but a connection to our own deeper spirit, as in Buddhism. So, you know, the divine can be seen in many, many ways. And so for me to come along and tell you how you ought to see the divine means that you're not going to go inside yourself and figure out how you see the divine. That is spiritual abuse. And in terms of, we talked about other forms of abuse that lead to a uh, to, uh, uh, compromised image of the self, uh, one of those is gaslighting. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, think that anytime somebody disagrees with you, they're gaslighting you, which is not true. But what is true is that a person can take your reality and twist it and tell you that that's not, tell you in some way that that's not really reality, that they have the version of reality, which in and of itself is a form of spiritual abuse. But it also teaches you that you are, you can't really trust your own ideas. You can't trust your own version of reality. So that person is spiritually abusing you by teaching you that your inner self can't be trusted. And your inner self is the only thing, truly thing, that you can trust. Because think about trust for a minute. When, uh, if you uh, trust another person who's deceptive, then you haven't accessed your own self enough to pay attention to your own intuition and your own discernment. Why did you do that? Maybe because you got spiritually abused and taught not to go inside yourself to figure out your own intuition and your own discernment enough to not be fooled by other people. Now, I want to say this. I don't want to uh, say blame anybody for being fooled by other people because when people are tricksters, they intend to fool you. So they're really good at it, and they don't want you to see them for, for who they are. They want you to see their version of what they're trying to present to you. And so you get tricked, and you may feel very foolish, but the truth is that that person deliberately tricked you. So the person to blame there is not you, but the trickster himself or herself. So uh, that whole idea of spiritual abuse is also comes from gaslighting. Um, the gaslighter says, you're crazy for having that belief. That's not really true. Suppose a woman um, starts intuiting that her husband is cheating on her. 
and she's right, but he doesn't want her to know that. Because, and so one of the ways he tells her that she's not really accurate, she's not in her, in her in reality, is he says, uh, you see, you're always this way. You're always so suspicious. You're just jealous. There's nothing going on. I'm not that kind of person. So uh, the, what he's done is he turned the problem back on her, and he said, you can't trust your own reality. And that's a form of spiritual abuse. Even though it's also considered to be gaslighting, it's also a form of spiritual abuse because it tells her she can't look inside herself and come to her, her own reality. Um, and I see that that happened very often that, you know, one of, one of both parties is cheating but gaslights the other party to make sure they don't know that they're cheating. And then later they find out, oh, he really was cheating. Or, for example... Uh, a person, and I've seen this over and over again in my practice, uh, uh, a person says, is dating someone, and later that person becomes abusive, and uh, then, you know, eventually they leave that person, and they're, they're trying to figure out what happened after that's all over, and they're looking back on the very beginning of the relationship, and they say, I knew, I knew he was abusive, but I ignored my own intuition. Why do we ignore our intuition? Because our society in general teaches us not to pay attention to our own intuition. So, uh, you know, we're, we're being taught, systematically taught, that going within ourselves is not a way to find truth. Why? Because we want to gather the world into one central theme, one central kind of reality. This is the only truth. And if we can gather our, our people as a society into one belief system, then, um, then we'll be okay. We'll be ordered. Everything will be in order and everything will work along, go along like clockwork. So um, it, it, that, that reality is also true, that our society can spiritually abuse us by teaching us not to thin, to look for our authentic selves, to look for our souls to find uh, who we are and find out what's real. Um, we have a uh, belief in our society that women are supposed to look a certain way, walk a certain way, and talk a certain way. Men are supposed to talk a certain way, walk a certain way, think a certain way, act a certain way. And if they don't, then there's something wrong with, that, with them. So, again, our society is teaching us that, you know, we have a, uh, a solid, certain way of being. And uncertainty about that is not good. So now we have a lot of uh, people coming out of the closet as transgendered, and they are teaching us that gender is fluid. It's not necessarily what we think it is. It's not necessarily a certain a certainty. It can be uh, run along a gamut of, 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 of experience for the person who is transgendered or, uh, you know, alive in this sense of not having a definite gender. So, um, you know, the whole thing about gay and lesbian, GLBTQ plus uh, people, they're, they're considered to be different, and yet uh, they, from their own internal experiences, experience themselves in one way, 
But society tells them that that's the wrong way to be. You're not supposed to be that way. So what they're saying is you can't trust your own internal experience. There's an external authority out here who says that you're wrong if you have that kind of internal experience, so stop it. And, of course, that is a form of spiritual abuse. You're, you're, you're a person, you're denying that person access to his or her own internal experience, his or her own internal authority. So how does an internal experience become an internal authority? Well, um, an internal experience is just an experience. But when I choose, like, for example, if I'm a gay person and I fall in love, if I'm a lesbian, since I'm female, I'll just use that. If I'm a lesbian and I fall in love with another woman, that's an internal experience. When I choose to come out of the closet and allow myself to really do something about that, that is my internal authority. So that internal authority can then say, this is the way I'm going to behave, whether society agrees with me or not. That is what society is afraid of. That is what very often all spiritual abusers, abusers are afraid of. They're afraid that you're going to go off and have your own reality, and it's not going to agree with theirs. And not only will that feel like chaos, but it makes you question your own certainties. It makes you feel ungrounded because you're not, now if they're questioning that, is it really true? And so we get more rigid and more compulsive about our need to change the other person because we want to make sure that their beliefs are the same as ours so that we won't have to question our beliefs. And question our own beliefs is something we just can't stand to do because we've created this little world in our heads about how reality really is. Reality is this. It's not this. Um, and you come along and say it's another this, and I, can't, I just can't stomach that. I just can't handle it, so I'm not going to. You're wrong. You have to change. You have to be what I need you to be. And that's a form of So the re why do I talk about this so much? I think it's important for us to understand the inner person. I have a blog on psychology today entitled Traverse, Traversing the Inner Terrain. And I've got about 4 million readers, a little over 4 million readers to that blog. If you want to go there, just go to psychology today and put in Traversing the Inner Terrain, or put in my name, Andrea Matthews. You can read any of my blogs that you want to. Um, I think that the inner terrain, the authentic self, the soul, is the most important part of our existence. And to abuse that is to abuse our very existence. And there are so many forms of abuse that uh, we don't acknowledge as also harming us internally that we, we neglect that part. So there's a lot of information out there right now about trauma. A lot of people are realizing that they've been traumatized at some point in their lives, and they're beginning to come to terms with that reality. And in order to do that, they have to get in touch with the deeper essence of who they are. And that work is them healing from some form of spiritual abuse. So if trauma informs them that they can't go inside anymore because it's too scary in there, then the trauma itself has spiritually abused them. Maybe the trauma was somebody else being abusive to them, or maybe the trauma was a terrible automobile accident, or maybe the trauma was uh, a, a tornado ripping your house away. Um, but whatever it is, if I'm now afraid to go within, 
and, and work with my internal being, um, then, then I've, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm spiritually abusing myself, but I'm keeping myself, I'm give, preventing access to my internal self, my own internal experience, my own internal authority. So in this day and age now, we have a lot of people out there, uh, in the United States in particular, who are, through their own evangelical religion, teaching us that certain things that we think are true are false and attempting to control the politics of our country in a way that could be damaging to the country. Now, this part is, uh, of my uh, talking is about spiritual abuse as well, um, but it also is going to lean a little bit toward politics, so I want to kind of warn you about that. Um, the, the idea is that the political environment should be controlled by our religion. Uh, there are people out there who would like to make America into a, the a theocracy. They believe that um, this country was founded on religion, on the Christian religion in particular, and that, uh, that, that our country sh should be, be a, a Christian country. Um, and, of course, that's antithetical to the whole idea of democracy because democracy was founded on the belief that uh, there should be freedom of religion, that anybody should be able to worship in any way they want to, and that any person's religion was just as valid as any other person's religion. So um, that is a form of spiritual abuse. It's teaching us that there is only one religion, and so there's only one small container of, of belief. They don't believe that it's possible to have a God that's bigger than any religion. We're going to talk about this some more right after the break. Stay right here. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you feeling unhealthy, overweight, stressed, or generally tired? Have you lost your motivation? And has life gotten you down? Beth Shaw and her guest experts are here to help you and all of America get healthy. Listen to Make America Healthy and gain valuable tools to reclaim your physical, mental, and emotional health. Make America Healthy, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you dream about success but wonder how to get there? Hillary de Caesar and her guests will reveal how they relaunched into lives they only dreamt about. Their stories will inspire and surprise you and ignite your inner sparks. The Relaunch, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Seeing Beyond, Living Transformed is a spiritual crossing of the threshold to the world of being a truly expanded human being. Join medium Cheryl and Kelly for conversations about discovering deep spirituality, developing your intuitive and empathic skills, and personal mediumship. Each episode will focus on tips, tools, and techniques to help you understand and expand your own inner gifts and life journey. You can call in each week to receive spiritual guidance, personal readings, and we'll answer your questions. We'll talk with luminary experts on meditations, the afterlife, energy healing, 
past lives, and much more. Join our Seeing Beyond spiritual community to learn more about expanding your mind, body, and soul, and have fun on your journey to empowered transformation. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about spiritual abuse, what it is, what it isn't, and getting a clear uh, view of what it means to be spiritually abused. So if you have been taught not to go inside, not to trust your own thoughts, your own, uh, not just your own opinions, those are too high, but your own internal, truest experience, your own genuine experience of life, if you've been taught not to trust that, excuse me, then you you may have been spiritually abused. So we were talking just before the break about uh, politics and how that infects us in terms of um, keeping us from seeing our truest self. <clears throat> so right now, as I said, there were there are lots of people who are out there teaching us. <coughs> I'm sorry, excuse me teaching us that, um, for example, that uh, if a person is raped, that's probably God's will. Or teaching us that abortion is against God's will, even though we can find ancient texts that allow us uh, allow women to have abortions. Um, ancient spiritual texts. Um, uh, they're teaching us that being gay and lesbian or bisexual or transgendered or queer is wrong. They're teaching us that uh, uh, any value that isn't a Christian value is wrong. They're teaching us that our view of of life through the lenses of any other religion is wrong. Uh, So this is a form of spiritual abuse. And I want to be really clear that if you try to contain somebody else's idea about religion or spirituality into a small little container that is external that is run by an external authority, be that a book or a person or several persons, then you then that is a form of spiritual abuse. Um, however, now I want to be clear. I said I was going to talk about what it is and it isn't. It is not spiritual abuse to allow a person to come to their own terms with what they experience of the divine or of life in general or of a particular philosophy. And I'm not talking about what their opinion is. I'm not even talking about what their belief is. I'm talking about what their experience is. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, it is important to understand that the primary principle of spiritual abuse is denying a person access to their own internal experience and their own internal authority.
it is um, it is not spiritual abuse to allow a person complete access to their own experience, internal experience, and um, uh, refuse to deny them access to their own internal experience. In fact, encourage them to have their own internal experience. I have people that I talk to that say, uh, I'll ask them, well, what do you think about that? And they'll say, well, my pastor says, or my wife says, or my husband says, or my teacher says. And I, I, and I say, well, then what do you think? Well, my husband says, or my pastor says, or my teacher says, or my pastor, you know, so one of those other people says. And I say, I don't want to hear what they say. I want to hear what you think. And they have a real hard time coming to terms with what they think. They can't tell me what they think. They don't know what they think. And they very often will say, I don't know. Because they've never been taught to go within to find out what they really think. And that's just thoughts. That's not an experience. That's just their thoughts. I've worked with people who are um, spouses of uh, an addict of some form. And they've been spent their life so much taking care of the addict and trying to talk the addict out of being an addict and trying to control the addict and trying to make sure the addict doesn't use that they have no room, no time for anything inside themselves. So I ask them, well, do you like do you ice cream? I don't know. Do you like pickles? I don't know. Do you like hot dogs? I don't know. Do you like hamburgers? I don't know. Do you like to go to the park? I don't know. They don't know because they've never bothered to ask themselves what they like. And that's just likes. That's just preferences. That's not even to speak of their own internal experiences. This is a person who does not access the authentic self now or the soul. Now, were they spiritually abused by another person? Or have they just shut that out as a way of dealing with their, the person that's addicted? I don't know. But I want to allow them access to the soul. I want them to find out what they think about their own preferences. And that's just the first step. You know, what, now, now, what is your experience? You know, what has been your experience of living with an addict all these years? I don't know. I've just been, you know, trying to take care of him. But if I can access the experience, it would be, well, I've, it's been traumatic. It's been, you know, extremely difficult. I, I don't trust him, but I feel like I have to trust him because I'm in a relationship with him. And I feel like I can't leave him because I love him so much, but I don't want to stay either. So there's a lot of conflict in there. Getting in touch with that is another step toward your own authentic spiritual experience, your own soul. But that's another thing that we're taught. We're taught that if we have so-called negative experiences, negative thoughts or negative feelings, then, you know, we're not really being religious or we're not really being spiritual. Um, in the Christian religion, there's a, there's a, uh, a belief that one's supposed to always smile and always, you know, trust that everything's going to be fine and never have a down moment and, you know, things like that. And in, in, that's very true in, in some aspects of the Christian religion. It's also true in many of the groups, uh, the New Age Human Potential Movement groups, who insist that the law of attraction means that you can't ever think any negative thoughts or have any negative feelings, because if you do, not only are you risking your physical health, but you're also uh, risking the possibility that you're going to have some so-called negative experiences. 
So when a negative, so-called negative experience happens, then they blame themselves for not thinking positive enough, not feeling positive enough. And uh, this is spiritual bypassing. Uh, Robert Masters wrote a wonderful book called Spiritual Bypassing that I encourage all my listeners to read. He was on the show uh, one time several years ago about that very book. And uh, what he says is that we need to be able to get in touch with all of our feelings, the full range, and be able to experience those because they have information to give us. And I also talk a great deal about that in my book, Letting Go of Good, where we realize that every so-called negative feeling has a really powerful message to give us. And if we listen to those feelings, if we can sit by those feelings, that is the pathway to the deeper soul. So if we don't do that, we're keeping ourselves from experiencing the deepest and most important, most powerful aspect of living, which is the soul. Um, we talk about having soulmates very commonly, but if you're, you're not really connected soul to soul to that person, then it's not really, you're not really experiencing that as a soulmate relationship. You may have you know, interests in common and experiences in common, and that's great, but is there also a, a continuing work toward getting to know each other's souls? Then it really does become a soulmate relationship. And so what we're talking about here today is the soul is the very essence of spirituality. We, if we're not in touch with our soul, we're not really having a spiritual experience. Um, because there's, there's no way to connect to the divine or to a philosophy that you truly hold to be valid unless you can do that from your most genuine self. It, 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 you know, the divine is a genuine experience. A philosophy of living such as Buddhism is uh, a genuine experience. And you can't have a genuine experience if you're not in touch with your genuine self. So then the genuine self is the basic inner essence of who you are, your soul or or uh, synonymously, your authentic self. <clears throat> so, um, the experience of the inner spirit is a, a profound experience of life. And uh, when we're taught not to go there, we're we're experiencing spiritual abuse. Um, and so, we're talking about a teaching. We can be taught in several ways. We can uh, be taught by an abuser to define ourselves in a certain way. We can be taught by a spiritual teacher or a religious leader to define ourselves in a certain way. We can be taught by um, friends who bully us to define ourselves in a certain way that says, don't go in there and find your truest self. Just ignore how you feel because we're going to continue to treat you like an object we can beat on. Well, so it can happen in many ways. But the truth is we're being taught and sometimes systems taught by society to ignore the deeper essence of who we are in favor of a standard of living that may or may not be valid for us. <coughs> Excuse me. So, the other thing is judgment. Judgment is a form of spiritual abuse, which is why I think most religions talk to us about not doing that. Judgment says, I know who you are, I know what you've done, and I've got a definition for you. 
this is not only, you know, about what you do. Now, people can give you feedback about what you do. I saw you yesterday do this. And I heard you today say this. That's mirroring. Judgment says, because you said that or did that, that makes you into a bad person or an unworthy person or a person who's not meeting my standard. Um, judgment defines you in some kind of way. <clears throat> Discernment can see what's going on. But judgment defines what's you as um, a person who's unworthy or a person who's less than in some kind of way. So judgment is a form of spiritual abuse. And that's why Jesus said, judge not that you be judged, lest you be judged. And, um, and, and you know, other religions are, have similar admonitions to us. And so uh, judgment is a form of, uh, of abuse, spiritual abuse. Now, we have the choice as to whether or not we're going to receive that or interject that judgment. Um, you know, as, as adults we do, as children it's very hard for us to do that. We usually just interject somebody else's judgment, which is why it's so difficult when children are being bullied online or on social media for them to not receive somebody else's judgment as a clear self-definition. And those self-definitions usually deprive us of going within and finding out who we actually are and asserting that to the world. Um, it's, a, it's a really valid experience to look inside yourself and define yourself at, you know, based on your own internal experience rather than being defined by somebody in the external world, which makes them the external authority over how you see yourself. So there are many ways to be spiritually abused, um, and, and, uh, but there's also... Looking inside yourself. The way to heal spiritual abuse is to be able to look inside yourself, be able to have your own internal experience of the divine and of yourself and of life, and <clears throat> experience the painful and joyful feelings of being alive, and experience your own fears and your own um, pain and your own joy and your own sorrow and your own anger and all of that, to experience that as part of your experience of life. <clears throat> Not to deny yourself that, that experience, but to really allow yourself to experience that in a deep way. And in doing so, uh, have go even deeper and uh, wrap those experiences up in a, in a spiritual connection to the divine. Um, so that is how we heal from spiritual abuse. Um, so I encourage all my listeners to start working on going within for your own experience rather than accepting the definition of who you are or what you should believe or how you should act that is put on you by external authority. The external authorities are going to be afraid that's going to mean chaos and they're not going to like it. But <clears throat> you have your own internal structure and I encourage you to go in there and find that. Okay, that's all we have for today. We'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.